asked me to speak. Okay, the recording's in progress. Uh, Sandra, thank you so much. Uh, I, I've seen Sandra for the last six months in the rooms up in LA where we go to meetings and uh, she was being dragged around by a, a girl that was sponsoring her. But I just saw an enthusiasm and a willingness to take direction. And when I asked her if she wanted to be my first speaker, she said yes. And at six months of sobriety, I would have said, fuck you. There's not a <laughs> chance I was going to come up to a meeting and speak with six months. So that is uh, very, I'm very impressed. And you did fantastic. Um, let's see, how are we going to do this? So my sobriety date is January 13th, 2011. So if everything works out next January, I'll have 12 years. Uh, first, I want to thank, I mean, pardon me, congratulate all, all the people that took chips. I've never seen so many chips in my life. I've never seen every month listed like that. So uh, you guys must really, around January, it must be insane. Uh, <laughs> but Congratulations and welcome back if you are returning. Um, if you had been here before, uh, my dear friend Vern used to say, come all the way in and sit all the way down. Because as you'll hear in my story, I've had many struggles with, with getting sober and staying sober. Um, I guess uh, I'll just start from the beginning. So I was born in Santa Monica up in LA young parents. Um, my parents, they split up by the time I was three. I don't even remember my father living with us. Uh, my mom remarried, an alcoholic. And the first like vision I had of alcohol was we moved into his house. He had a, he, he uh, had a great career and now we have a bar in the house and we have a beer tap in the house. So drinking is like where the family gathers. It's where everything happens. And uh, I, Kind of like Sandra said, I, I didn't start drinking till later on, you know, um, my first drink was in uh, the summer before 10th grade. So before that, I was kind of a, a dork, you know, kind of like a very shy kid. Uh, my life was on high alert. Uh, my, my parents were very abusive physically. And uh, so fear was kind of like the, the theme in my life. And, uh, you know, when, when you see your mom with black eyes and stuff like that, you know, it's not, it, home is not a wonderful place. So when I took that drink, I'm hearing something coming off this iPad and someone's talking. Anyway, um, when I took that first drink, it was, it was relief like I can't even explain. It was like, my, my shoulders went down, the fear dropped. And, you know, as far as an invisible line, it's like, I, 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 I was going to do this every day. I mean, I was, you know, fit, just barely 15. So it would not be possible to do it every day, but I sought it out on a daily basis. And that same year, it was a very pivotal moment happened in my life. I was, uh, I was coming, I was walking home from school in 10th grade. I'm, I'm, I'm a freshman in high school. And um, I see this friend of mine at, at our front door talking to my mom. And I know what she's there for. She's letting my mom know that I had bounced a check and I knew I was in deep trouble. I told you my parents were abusive, da da da, da like to knock us around and stuff. 
So what I did instead of going home and facing the music is I turned around and lived on the streets for a year. And at 15 years old, I mean, I was a tiny little 15 year old. And, uh, you know, instead of just going home and take, taking my lick in or whatever it was, you know, or owning up to it or accepting responsibility or something like that, you know, uh, I, I, I left home and I found a friend of mine and we, uh, he had really, really evil parents as well. And we just were two little 15 year old runaway boys. And we went over the hill and started sleeping on the beach in Santa Monica and on top of lifeguard stations. And, you know, that was it. We were, we were not going back. And, um, you know, uh, we, we, we went to a, a runaway shelter and this is, this is way back in the day. So this is probably uh, 1980. And uh, when we got to the runaway shelter, they gave us clothes, they gave us food. And uh, it was nice to, you know, be able to take a shower and stuff. And they said, the only um, contingency of staying here is we need to tell your parents where you are. And we're like, we're runaways. We're running <laughs> away from our parents. That's what a runaway is. You know, you don't say they're here. Just wanted to let you know, my mom would have brought, you know, the Marines to come get me. I mean, she was really, really uh, distraught that I was gone. Anyway, uh, while we were in this facility, there was a young lady in there that my buddy had actually dated. I mean, I don't know if you date when you're 15, but a friend of his. And she said, hey, I got a friend in Hollywood. Come with us. Come with me. I'm going to go see him. He's got work for me. And he'll help you, you two guys out too. So the three of us, little 15-year-old kids, got on the bus, eastbound on Pico to Hollywood. And on the other end of that bus ride was a pimp. Now, this don't make me an alcoholic. It's not why I became a drug addict. But what it is, is just like the lengths I would go to not accept responsibility, to not uh, face the music. And what that was, was uh, a terrifying year. It was... Uh, um, you know, I'd been, had guns put to my head, I'd been drugged and left on the side of the road for dead, just horrible things, you know, um, and, and, and it's like, and I didn't like, that wasn't a, a career path I was planning on going to when, when I got older was child prostitute, you know, it was like, uh, it was, uh, but it's, it was like, it just seemed like the only option. It's like, we had no money, we had to do this and we had to do that. And it was, it was horrific. And I don't do well in that type of, uh, of uh, occupation, as it were. Um, so I got a hold of a fake ID and I got a nine to five job as a 19 year a, a fake 19 year old named Charles Green. And I worked in a, in an answering service and, and that was it. I was just going to be Joey Church against the world. And I was never going home and, and this is my life. And, you know, I, 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 I lasted a year and, and my, my grandfather found me and convinced me to go home and my mother was worried sick, you know, as, as parents do. And, uh, and I went home. But what I went home with was something new, which was serious alcoholism and blossoming drug addiction. Um, there's drugs in my story. I'm sorry. I will try to stay away from it as much as possible. Uh, but you know, I get home and I'm in high school. I'm at El Camino High School at Woodland Hills. And in 1981, 
it is not uh there there are rumors abound i mean you know hey i saw joey he was on this corner and did a little he was doing x y and z so i am drinking every time every chance i can every time i have a thought the guilt the shame the remorse the secrets i'm pounding alcohol down on it and uh and just shoving it all down and you know uh by the time i was 20 years old um I had been evicted out of four apartments. I'd had my first of many cars repossessed and I'd been convicted of drunk driving twice. And, you know, it's that, that, that was it. You know, it's like, I was ready for Alcoholics Anonymous then. And, and I pushed on for three more years. Um, when I was about 23 years old, I went home to my mom again now, I'm carless. I'm homeless, clothesless, I got nothing. And I go to mom and I say, hey, can I come home? Can I you know, lick my wounds and, and rest up here? And she had talked to somebody, I don't know who that person was. And she said, no, you can't, which I know was tough for her to say at that time. But uh, she said, but here's a number of, of a guy who can help you. And that was a gentleman in Alcoholics Anonymous. So in about 1984, um, out, of, out of options, out of answers, uh, I call this stranger and he picks up the phone and he says, uh, yeah, hey, come on down and, and uh, I'll give you a hand. And I, I got on a bus with a green plastic bag with some clothes that I had left and uh, went to a stranger's house two hours away and got to his place. Um, and he said, let's eat and now let's go. And he whipped me in the car and we were whisked off to the Wednesday night Pacific group meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous in Brentwood. Um, I had been to some AA meetings in the past, you know, when I was, when I got my drunk driving convictions, I had to go to some meetings and I loved them. I mean, there was nothing, the, the minute I came to AA, I knew I was home. This is where I needed to be but I had lots and lots and lots of wreckage to create to, before I stayed. And um, I hope you do stay. Anyway, I get into this room and, and then there's literally like no exaggeration, like six to 700 people. The room is just buzzing and it's in and, and everybody's smiling. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And this dude just appears right in my face. He's like, hi, I'm Dino, I'm your sponsor. And I'm like, okay. And his eyes were like this. He's like, he found a puppy. He's like, you're not going anywhere. And he just, he, he dragged me around and, and introduced me to like 300 people that night. And I'm just like, what the heck, you know? Uh, and he did exactly what an AA member should do. You know, he, he took this, this guy. I didn't know that this guy, Mark, that, I, that drove me to the meeting had called ahead, like it was planned out. You know, I thought this guy was just sane, you know, but I had no options, you know, I, I got nowhere to sleep tonight. So I don't know what the sponsor thing is, but I want one. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, what he said was, you need a place to live, I mean, a place to stay tonight. So go talk to that person and ask them if you can sleep on their floor for seven days. And I'm like, I don't know that person, so I'll just go ask. And I did. And that was the couch commitment process they had in Pacific Group in, at that time. And my sponsor said, you can't stay more than seven days. You can stay on, on about the fifth day of your stay. You start asking the next person that you're going to stay at's house. And 
I was embarrassed and, and ashamed. It was like, oh my God, I'm a loser. And what it was, was I was making friendships that some, which I still have to this day, 30 some odd years later, um, it was, it was an invaluable experience of, of, of humbling myself and, and, and asking for help. Uh, and, you know, the Pacific was great. Um, there was a, a little bit, a few things missing in my program in the Pacific group, mostly telling the truth um, <laughs> and working a thorough four step and uh, especially a nine step. Um, I had not admitted anything that had happened to me that I can freely admit to you guys at the podium. Uh, back then, I, I was very, you know, ashamed and stuff like that. And, and I, um, I, just, I just kept it to myself. So at like nine months, you know, uh, when they were doing things like saying, hey, Joey, you should get a financial sponsor. And I'm like, what's a financial sponsor? Well, they go through your checking account and they find out what your bills are and what you owe to people and the people you still owe money to from, the, from in your amends and they'll help you budget. And I'm like, hmm, budget, budget, budget means $0 in my bank account. Thank you very much. I'd rather not do that. And so what happened was at nine months, I started getting thirsty because I'm not doing any of the work. I'm not doing what's suggested. Um, and at nine months, I decided to drink and it wasn't a slip. It wasn't like, oh, you know, it, I, I sought out drinking and it, in that nine month period I had put together a sober apartment a little $500 sober car uh I got a sober job selling lady shoes at Nordstrom which was just absolutely humiliating in the 80s because married with children was on blast at that time so I was uh, Al Bundy you know what I mean <laughs> But I had to put a suit on every day, and that was like right up the alley for Pacific Group. They're like, "Yes, he is our favorite newcomer," you know. Um, and you know, uh, and I threw it all away. I threw it all away because I I, I didn't want to do the work. And what happened was that night I, I I got a twelve pack of beer. I remember it like it was yesterday. I drank that beer. I went off to do some things and get some Colombian marching powder because I like to do that too. And, um, you know, as that night was kind of weaning down, I smelled smoke and I was like, what's that, you know? And I rushed to the window, I open it and it ain't Santa Claus. It's the apartment next door to me, completely involved in flames and they're all on my roof. So what happened the first night I left Alcoholics Anonymous was my little sober car with the higher powered sticker burned to the ground everything I had built together clothing wise in nine months burned to the ground. Oh, and the apartment burned to the ground as well. So that was it. It was like, hmm, these people in AA are right, man. It's like, uh, so yeah, you know, uh, back to Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I waited, Nordstrom, put, they, they did a bake sale for me, raising money for me. You know, it was like, oh, poor Joey, he's lost everything. Joey's on drugs and drinking. He's a disaster, you know, but I'm taking it and they're giving me cash and just, just the victim of the year. Mm. They, um, so I didn't go back to Pacific Group because I'm a chicken shit like we, we've come to know. Uh, I don't face the music. I don't want anybody to know that I screwed up and lost nine months of sobriety because uh, I, I really cherished that nine months. So I went back to AA 
without civic groups uh, outside of the group, which in those days was like, oh, you go to outside meetings. I mean, they're gnarly. They, they really uh, like to keep everything insulated. And, and uh, I went to other meetings and uh, I found a sponsor and, you know, um, this guy had done prison time, uh, uh, you know, and for some reason I was able to, to share with him the things that I was not able to share with my sponsor in PG. And, uh, and what happened was uh, I had a second pink cloud, you know, that, that little sober car back in PG and, and the sober job and the little sober apartment, that was a pink cloud because up to that point, I was like a, a feral animal, you know what I mean? A wild, untamed, un, no degrees, no nothing, no hopes. And in, in nine months time, PG took me from that and to a citizen, you know, um, and it was amazing. So when I came back and bam, I popped right back up and that's kind of a curse for me um, that I bounce back quick and I uh, am able to, you know, start get people trust me. I, I guess I look trustworthy in those days and, 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 that, and that's kind of bad because I was not to be trusted. I was a con man, you know, um, I was a liar, a cheat and a thief and you'll hear into alcohol some inside the rooms. Um, anyway, so I came back and uh, this time I'm, it's like my, my pink cloud had like rocket fuel on it. Now I am into the music industry to this dream career. Uh, I'm, I moved to Malibu, I've got this beautiful place and, and I'm hobnobbing with, with, with music acts. And it's like, people are coming to me at meetings with demo tapes. And it's like, I think I am really something special and I'm not. <laughs> The only reason I even got the job that I had starting in the mailroom um, was that I was willing to start in the mailroom and be humble and work for $7 an hour and take orders from people that were younger than me. But AA gave me humility and I was able to do that. And I started, you know, this, this life started building up and my ego really built up. And again, so now, I'm going to stitch together two and a half years of sobriety. In that time, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I did a thorough four step. Uh, I did my fifth step with my sponsor and, you know, but I, I had a real hard time with letting go of, of money. For some reason, I did not have faith. I didn't, A, didn't have a good connection with God because I had no, if, if I thought that if I paid back the debts and all the, all the people I've burned, that I, I wouldn't have anything, you know, no, no, no faith in God whatsoever that it's going to be okay. Or maybe those outside things don't even matter. You know what I mean? Like what matters is getting sober and, and having a, a wholesome, sober life. Anyway, so at about two and a half years, um, I thought that, uh, that it was unfair that um, the president of the record label could smoke pot. Um, and I couldn't. Uh, I was I was 26 years old and you know I'm driving him home because he lives in Malibu I'm in a small apartment in Malibu he's in a, a monstrous house in Malibu and it's like and I, and I smell the weed on him I know he's stoned out of his mind I'm like come on he's running a label let's you know so again not a slip not a not an accident I'm gonna you know I go to some mailroom guy and say hey can I have some of that stuff and, and I go and what I did was for one exact year, I smoked pot every day. I didn't drink, 
I would not touch alcohol because alcohol was bad and I got in a lot of trouble and it makes me do that other marching powder stuff. And, um, and what happened was uh, in one year's time doing that little experiment, uh, I started to get a little paranoid, you know, uh, a little suspicious, if you will, <laughs> people talking about me when I'm not around, you know, and <laughs> the label's not listening to me and my, my creative suggestions and the bands I think they should sign. And uh, so uh, I, start, uh, I started isolating and um, it all kind of came to a head one night. I was at home and uh, I had long blonde hair because this is like, this is like Nirvana days. So like, you know, imagine that, shave my head, dye my hair black and start writing some real freaky shit on my walls. And because that's what crazy people do is they write on their walls. And uh, and I thought I needed to get out of Los Angeles. I needed to go, you know, and there was a problem. The devil was in my hallway of this apartment building. So my keen alcoholic mind said, call 911, tell him you're having a heart attack and the ambulance will get you past the devil and you can get to London where you want to be, right? <laughs> it's four in the morning in Malibu, California, and I make that phone call. <laughs> and what didn't come first was the ambulance. What came first was the Malibu sheriffs. And I've got black sunglasses on, a beanie, a briefcase in my hand that's, that's it's inside that briefcase. I think there was a little bit of pot, a pipe, and some gibberish written on a piece of paper, like no files at all. Like, and I open the door and they're like, whoa, 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 hot shot, please sit down, you know? And here, put the briefcase down. <laughs> and I, and they, they settle me down for a minute. And, and now here we go, it's institutions time. You know, we've, we've had our, our jail time. Uh, I don't pay traffic tickets. Obviously, I don't pay any responsibilities. So all my tickets go to warrant. When I get pulled over, I go to jail. Now I'm going to psych wards. And when I got into the ambulance and they took me to the psych ward, my sponsor actually showed up at the emergency room, Bob Timmons, God rest his soul. Um, and he said, uh, you know, you need to go to the hospital. And that was it. You know, now I'm, I'm going to the psych ward. And uh you know, I was on a three-day hold. I escaped the psych ward on a smoke break and got caught. And now I'm on a 14-day hold. And, and like Saunders said, it ain't pretty in psych wards. When there's like a naked dude running around and like doing weird shit in your bed when you're out having a cigarette, it's like, whoa, you know, it, 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 it's terrifying. I, I'm a mess, but I'm not crazy, crazy, you know, but that's what they do with us because, you know, we're, 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 we're not, we're not normal. When we're, we're in, a, in the cups of our disease. And, uh, you know, and they said, so you're bipolar, you're manic depressive, you know, they're just a laundry list of things and you're going to take lithium and you're going to take this and you're going to take that and you're going to take this and that. And it's like, I'm none of those things. I'm an alcoholic drug addict who's dying. And it ain't about medication, it's about getting sober and getting help. Um, and I went back to AA, you know, uh, I, I think they put me on lithium for like a week and I'm like, this is, this is insane. This is not what's going on. Like go back to AA and I did. 
This time, however, there was no pink cloud. The pink cloud days had, had passed me. And uh, I was depressed, you know? Uh, oh, and while I was in the psych unit, the, the label called and said, Our, my services were no longer necessary, that they'd be sending a severance check and really appreciated my input, but uh, goodbye. And, uh, and so here I am, you know? It's like, that was who I was, you know? And it's like, now I'm, 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 I am back to square one. And, uh, and this time, uh, you know, I, I go back to AA and, I, and I'm a good, I, I learn and I know about commitments and I, and I still participate and help set up and, you know, uh, clean the coffee pots and things like that after the meeting. And what happened, this was 1994. So it was 1994. I put together almost nine years of sobriety. And what happened in that sobriety, it, it was, it was, toxic sobriety because as we know i don't want to do the work i'm gonna do it my way no matter what and my sobriety was like maybe pay the rent maybe not sobriety uh maybe pay my bills maybe not car registration and insurance go to a dealership get a fake plate put it over your, your expired registration we're good right and uh my all-time uh shining star badge that I could wear was if my best buddy and his girlfriend break up, help her with the relationship. Just, you know, come on, we could be okay. Like, so this is the guy that's in the rooms, like a, a liar, a cheat, a mess, and, you know, and, and a, a predator in AA, you know, basically, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty ugly. <sighs> anyway, and it's like, why? Why am I the exception? You know, we read it in, in chapter three. That was beautiful. The, more about alcoholism is my favorite chapter. You know, the, the, the part where, where it's talking about through every self-deception, self-deceit, you know, we, 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 try, we find our, we, we convince ourselves we're exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic, you know? I am trying, I'm doing that in real time, you know, but my life, I'm dying at the same time. Um, so when, when at, at nine years, uh, I, I got a hernia and we know how this goes, you know, it's surgery time. And the doctor says, do you have any pain? And I go, yes, I do. I've got a lot of pain. And I don't call my sponsor because my sponsor is just, a, a, you know, like that's my sponsor over there. Pete, he's great. You know what I mean? Um, I don't uh, I don't work the steps with him. He's just like he's a, he's a phone in sponsor. And so I don't call him to tell him I'm going to have medication in my hands. And at that point, you know, right after the surgery, I, I took that prescribed medication and my shoulders went down like they did when I had my first drink. And it was like, okay, you know, all the wreckage and all the people that I've burned in the program, all the, the, the games and the corners I've cut and the, and the jiving I've been doing. And now I don't feel it, you know? So that's it you know this is what I'm gonna do and I I'm sneaking around in AA and I'm taking medication I'm at the break of a meeting I slip into the men's room pop a couple of this pop a couple of that come out here and enjoy the main speaker it's like yeah he's so funny you know and it's like like who who am I I mean it's it's terrifying you know and um <laughs> and that that lasted that was a six-year trip 
trying to get back into AA. Um, you know, they talk about the, the door does not always let you back in. And, and I found that out firsthand that I could not get back in. You know, I, I went to detox and, and I learned what medication detoxes are a lot different than just a, a, an alcohol detox. It was brutal. And I was in pain. And then uh, when I went to that detox, I realized I forgot to drink. You know, I had had almost 10 years of not drinking and uh, I went to detox. I, I, I checked in before having a drink. So had, head down to Rosarito and have margaritas, you know, in dramatic fashion, you know, and 10 minutes, beautiful. So what happened was uh, I met a girl, married her. She, she knew that I was, uh, I, had, I, had, I had legitimately, I had 90 days of sobriety and I met her and she had six years of sobriety and she, she rolled the dice and took a chance on me and she shouldn't have. Um, we bought a house, had a dog and it just the dual life, you know, uh, and, and sneaking around behind her back and, and doing what I'm doing. And I, I suck, I'm, I'm horrible. And, uh, you know, I finally got honest with her and just said, hey, you know, this is, what, this is what's really going on. And, and, you know, just another heart broken, another, another bridge just destroyed this, this poor girl. Um, now taking me to detox, you know, and, and I, went to, I went to two back-to-back detoxes to get enough time to get out and not have a seizure. And uh, when I got out of the detox, uh, they released me from the detox. She released me from the marriage that day and said, get out. And, and God bless her. Thank God she did. And, uh, and I went into a garage. Uh, one of the nurses at the detox I was in, I'd known from the rooms because I'd been around. And she took pity on me and let me uh, sleep in the garage. And, and, I, and I drank myself. Any time my eyes would open, I would just shoot beers, just shotgun, shotgun. And I was on this little twin bed. I can remember it. Just this horrible sweat soaked it was it was it was hell on earth you know and now i'm not 23 i'm 45 you know it ain't pretty it ain't cute joey didn't have a slip joey's dying and it's life and death and what do i do you know what do i do and this like i said this nurse was from the detox she wasn't gonna let this guy drink in her in her garage and she said go to aa you know and, and i crawled my ass back here and um and, and I looked like, holy hell. I mean, I was way underweight. I, I had stitches on my face and scabs. It was just, you know, I walked into the rooms and it's like, I knew people for years and they just looked at me and they're just like, woo, you know, and, and I knew it was me that they were backing off from and they should, it, 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 was, it was not good. Um, somehow I, I, got, I got together a little bit of money and, and I don't know how I did it, but I got a two bedroom apartment. Now I am uh, in, in Venice on Abbott Kenny. Now I, I, I don't work. I'm, I'm a, a electrician with a revoked license, uh, but I need a two bedroom apartment, right? So the two bedroom apartment, the second bedroom was for my office. I needed an office, right? So once again, or, or again, I am holding on to the outside, something, something. If I guess, oh, if I just have a cool apartment in a cool neighborhood and, and an office, you know, I can work eight minutes without bursting into tears. You know, it's like, I, I, I can't, I, I, I don't have a job and, and I need this stuff. 
So with my sobriety, this time right now that I'm standing in and loving uh, went like this in with the chips. 30 days, I got the apartment. 60 days, I got annulment papers in the mail with two boxes checked on it. Uh, unsound mind and fraud and nothing could be closer to the truth. It was like, that's me. Yep, I'll take that letter. Thank you. Uh, in 90 days, I got my car repossessed. Because I'm not going to go to sober living. I've had time. I've had time. I don't need to do what you guys are suggesting. Everybody's go to sober living. Be there for a year. Stop the madness, right? Uh, and I won't. And I, uh, you know, it's it, six months. The landlord says, hey, buddy, you got to go, you know, because I'm not paying my rent. I'm, I'm paying part of it. I'm doing my best. And he, he's nice. He's like, it looks like you're going through some shit, but I don't want to sue you. And if you could get out, that would be great. And I did. I, I, I just, I was done. You know, it's like, what do I do? I can't, I can't win anymore. And uh, I am going to meetings and I'm, and I'm working with the sponsor and, and I, I get on Craigslist and I, I find a sailboat on Craigslist for 500 bucks and in Marina del Rey. Now, it's not in, in the marina, it's in a parking lot in the marina. And <laughs> if I brought them that money, they would lift it up on a crane and drop it in the water. This thing was 20 feet long. Uh, it was tiny, had no engine, no sail, uh, no head. That's bathroom. And, uh, but the slip fee was $250. And that I could do. And I got, I said, yes, got the money, got the money together threw everything I owned away, except for some clothes and a Tupperware. I put it in Tupperware because it's very moist inside leaky boat. So you don't want your clothes to get damp. And I finally had surrendered, you know, it was over. The jig was up, you know, I, uh, I, I gave up. And it was the most pivotal time of my life. It's like, you know what? I got nothing to worry about, but going to an AA meeting, working a step and saving my life. And, and somehow, you know, I, I wasn't under the delusion that AA doesn't work. It works amazingly. I just wouldn't do the work. And, you know, I, uh, my sponsor said, you need to do your steps now or you're going to die. And I believed him. You know, there was no, no question. You know, I, I, I did need that bottom to be real, real, real bad to get it through my thick head. Anyhow, uh, not long afterwards on the boat, uh, found that a man can get extremely lonely at sea. Um, so I got a wireless hotspot and, and, uh, and got my laptop out and thought I'd try some online dating. Uh, we call this uh, looking for love on the SS desperation. Just please, please somebody fill, fill the void. Uh, fortunately, uh, no one, no one took me up on that, that offer. Uh, and, and uh, but what did happen was that that wireless connection had me on Facebook and a friend of mine had reached out to me and said, are you willing to work in bad neighborhoods? And I was like, hmm. well, I exchanged TVs and appliances in bad neighborhoods for goods and services. I can easily work in a bad neighborhood. And uh, he said, great, I'll see you tomorrow. And that night I was thinking, it's like, okay, Joey, so you have no contractor's license. You cannot pull permits. You cannot do this job. You cannot do this job. Are you going to continue on the run, your, your, your routine? 
And I called him in the morning and he said, um, I told him I couldn't do it. And he said, we don't want permits. We need this done here. It's real quick. You'd really be helping me out. So I said, yes. And I had a gigantic check in my hand and a check that I, I'd never had before. And uh, again, crossroads, again, I'm getting hit with these crossroads. It's like, what do you do, Joey? Do you go buy a watch? Do you get, get off this damn boat? You know, do you, do you get an apartment, a new truck, something like that? And, uh, and no, what you do is you tell your sponsor you got this and you pay off your $9,000 debt with the bond company that revoked your license and get your electrical contractor's license back. And that one little decision right there was like, it's it, I'm in, I've got this, you know? Uh, it all started working out just by doing the things we're supposed to do. It's like, for some reason, I just didn't wanna ever do that, you know? It's so much easier to do the right thing, to not cut the corner and to scam and to manipulate and twist and shuck and jive, you know? Um, you know, uh, my, not long after that, my grandmother passed away real, how much time do I got? Just a couple more, two minutes, yeah. Left me a little bit of money and I, now I'm afraid to come up in any way whatsoever. So what I do is I got a bigger boat and this boat had a, an engine and a sail and it actually was seaworthy. And, uh, and my friend gave me the book, Sailing for Dummies. And uh, I taught myself how to sail and I spent three years in the marina sailing up and down from Marine Del Rey up to Malibu and back with all my sober friends. And it was the most magical time of my life. There was no, no response, not, nothing. I didn't have a care in the world. I'd be sleeping and I'd hear seals go under my boat and I'd hear the bubbles from their exhale, you know, and the boat would just rock me to sleep every night, you know. Uh, I'm getting down to one minute, so I'm sorry I spent so much time in relapse, Phil, but with all the chips that were here tonight, I'm sure that plenty of people have had their own relapses. And if there's anything I can do to lessen your own experience and having to go come back over and over and over again, I wanted to be able to say that. Uh, like I said, uh, I, the other thing that came up that where I was hotspot was a woman that I had tried to hook at sea when I was doing my little dating thing. And she, in long story short, we got married three years ago. We've been together six years. And had she had met me at nine months of sobriety when I was vibrating on that little dinghy, she would have had a train wreck on her hands. It would have been like, and she's so sweet. She'd probably like, well, let's see what we can do to help this poor guy out, you know? But what she got was a guy that was debt-free, uh, had his credit built back up and uh, was honest and didn't lie to people. And, and, and she's enormous. She's not in the program, which I always thought I was going to have an, an AA uh, wife. And uh, it works. So uh, that's my time. Thank you very much for listening to me.